With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. I'm your host, Giri. I'm joined today again by my co-host, Ajit. Hello, Ajit. Hi, Giri. How are things? How are you doing? I'm fine. You seem a bit somber. Well, I took a walk in the evening. Uh, when I saw the sun, I was duped by the brightness. And mm-hmm. uh, even though I knew how cold it was, I had not realized how really cold it would feel. So... I think I feel a bit down, uh, health-wise. So, I'm trying to recuperate. Well, looking at the uh, weather, it was so sunny, it could have been uh, a day in March or even April. And I mm-hmm. mistook it that it would also appear to be warm. And apparently not, it mm-hmm. was minus four. So, bad idea wow. on my side. We're almost into February and February is normally the coldest month, right? So, indeed, I would say be a bit more careful, but it's always good to go out for a walk. Uh, at least I would uh, do it whenever the weather is uh, nice. Um, but, you know, we still have uh, other things to do indoors, right? Like do a podcast. Mm-hmm. So, or listen to one. Listen to one. Yes, that's also true. Um, so we have some cricket news, right? So let's uh, get started, I would say. Well, let's take a look directly at the conclusion of the first test, the Pakistan-South Africa test. We had done a coverage, I mean, it was midway through the test. I mean, the balances, the balance of the test was sort of shifting towards Pakistan. So, mm-hmm. if if you remember where we had left off, it was the day when Fawad Alam had scored his 100. And then, the test sort of swung one way and then the other in a typical fashion because it looked like, you know, uh, yeah, it was the second day. So, my, my, my bad. So, in this case, after Babar Azam had failed and such Azhar Ali and 
um, Fawad Alam set up and then Fawad Alam with the help of the tail and the lower middle order took Pakistan to a very strong 378. So if you remember at the end of the day they were 308 for 8 and we had correctly sort of surmised Pakistan may get about another 30-40 runs make it really difficult for um, South Africa because, because they were on the cusp of a 100 run lead. But suddenly what happened is, well, Pakistan with more contributions, Hassan Ali making 21, Norman Ali making 24, and then surprisingly, a centurion coming at number 11, Yasir Shah, proved his point, scored 38. So that basically meant Pakistan had a very, very healthy 150 run lead. So that basically meant South Africa were in trouble. But then what transpired was that South Africa went into sort of an India way of batting, right? They took their time. The top order of South Africa responded beautifully. So. For the first wicket, Dean Elgar and um, Aiden Makram saw off the new ball. For 16 overs, they batted, they, scored, they had put on 48 runs at a pretty, fairly healthy clip. But then, up until 175, Rasifan Reducen, who came in at number 3, and then Aiden Makram completely went into a proper test match mode. Considering it was only the third day, they had plenty of time, they recognized it. And they took the score to 175 for 1. That meant, you know, they had wiped out the lead, also established a small lead with which Uh, South African middle order could really build on it and take it to probably you know, if they had taken to even 175-200 I would say that would have been a very challenging game but then would you like to take us through what transpired after that? Yeah, I think from 175 for 2 uh, they had a collapse um, a pretty good collapse I have to say so they lost the next uh, uh, I would say 1-2-3-4 wickets in very quick succession within 10-15 runs until there was some resistance towards the end by uh, Temba Bawuma, your favorite uh, second innings batsman, I remember. Um, and some contribution by George Linda. But otherwise, I think they lost their way. And I, I happened to watch a small passage of play uh, when Dean Elgar and Aidan Makram was batting. Um, Dean Elgar was hit on the hand multiple times. If you remember, I think he even su- suffered an injury on his uh, finger. He was trying to fend the ball off. I, I don't know what, what was going on. He was completely gone, I think. And then there, there was an innocuous delivery from uh, Yasir Shah, bowled into the rough, and he tried to sweep it. It caught the glove and then you know popped up in the air. It was a wonderful catch by this one. And then once that happened, Rasif Andadusan, of course, he he basically sealed, I mean, himself and Aidan Makram sealed two ends, and then they did not take any risk. They were playing really well. Um, and then You know, these two guys got out, so Rasi Pandudusan was out and then Park Duplessis, when he came out to bat, I, I followed a very little passage of play and I saw how Yasir Shah set up Park Duplessis. Fantastic leg spin bowling, I have to say. Uh, he was bowling a lot of leg breaks just outside the off stump, spinning away and I think in the first innings, Park Duplessis was dismissed, uh, caught off the outside edge in the slips, if I'm not wrong. Um, so, he tried to uh, replicate that, he was bowling a lot of leg spinners. And suddenly, out of the blue comes a straighter one. And uh, Park Duplessis, who was playing so well, he was trying to you know, uh, defend off the front foot. He thought this was short and then he went back and then he was caught in the crease. It was plum, I think, plum of plums, to be honest. Mm-hmm. In this case, Park Duplessis made the critical error of trying to read a leg spinner from the pitch. Exactly. Yasir Shah's faster one is, let's say, accurate enough that it will pin you at the back foot. All these leg breaks were As you said, it was beautiful theatre and it was set up in such a way that every time the wrist, the way it was bowled was kept the same. I remember seeing it as a leg break bowler. I appreciated exactly what was happening there. Yeah. I was expecting yeah. a googly. But then I was expecting a one that came in and pinned him on the crease or 
on the uh, back foot it was a straighter one but that was enough so it was fantastic theater go on yeah now it's lead on i think it was a wonderful delivery so that, that's something i remember from this uh, innings uh, and i think deservedly the two spinners got a lot of wickets uh, nominally the debutant the 35 year old debutant picking a five wickets on his debut um so it was nice to, nice to see and also yasir shah of course picked up four wickets um so it's good to see that the pakistani spinners are now bowling so well in home conditions i think yasir shah bowled a lot in the middle east you know he picked up i think 150 odd wickets even more mm-hmm. than that i think in middle east but now it's is showing his uh, metal also in home conditions so i mean we all we, we both appreciate uh, good leg spin bowling right is one of the best out there right now so i think Look, pakistan hmm, go on in any case see the thing is if you were to take a look at their uh, if you were to take at some of uh, look at some of the points they had identified that the two key batsmen that they had to work on was Faf Duplessis and Quinton Decock. They had come up with a plan of sort of feeding Faf Duplessis. Faf Duplessis is not always uh, eager to come on the front foot when it comes to spinners. They had planned for that and Quinton Decock on the other hand would like to get going and he's early in the crease. They had sort of planned for both of these. They had planned a way in which they would lure Faf Duplessis on the front foot enough times that he would then feel comfortable going back and be pinned on the back foot. When it came to Quinton Decock, he likes to keep things moving in his first 10 to 12 balls he's a bit edgy they had planned for that if you look at what they did they kept bowling wide and they kept denying him any runs easy runs to begin with that played into the hands and he got sort of frustrated and he tried to hit and got out so when you look at these two it was fantastically done and then of course except temba bavuma i, I felt okay keshav maharaj as a night watchman was not a bad idea but look looking at how uncomfortable he looked on the previous evening on the previous time when he came to bat i would have not sent him out as a night watchman i would have actually sent george linda as the night watchman who looked more compact so mm-hmm. that that was probably not the right idea or enric norke who's done the job previously and who looked obdurate as obdurate as your ishan sharma let's say so mm-hmm. i think both of these might not have been the best moves when it came to the way it was planned out and then it paid off for pakistan and uh, what i would like to also mention is the control with which norman ali continued to bowl because in that partnership where eden makram and rasif underdusen had decided to keep the spinners out mm. both the spinners waited they just continued to wait and norman ali who's more uh, the restrictive when it comes to the bowling style he made sure there were absolutely no runs given he bowled i think four maidens on a trot Mm. and in the end 25.3 overs 8 made in 35 for 5 is fantastic analysis it doesn't matter where you are bowling considering mm. that this pitch was not that misbehaving i mean when you look at this figures 20 30 years down the line you would say this is probably a dead pitch on a uh, subcontinent where the ball was really misbehaving it was not the mm. case so i give him a lot of credit there also mm. the way the fields were set i don't know if it's babar azam the captain who's captaining his first test or there was enough input from the seniors in the management you have misbaul haq you have wakar yunus you have all of these big wigs azhar mahmood all of these guys sitting there i don't know if azhar mahmood is a part anymore but all of these people i think saklain might be so all of these people actually may have contributed they played on the patience knowing that a visiting team will not have the patience to bat out 130 overs it was 100 overs that they were all out the real game in the third inning start after 80 overs if the first innings has not lasted long enough that's the first 
lesson that any team that visits subcontinent has to learn because England made this mistake the previous time they visited India. If the first innings don't last 250-300 runs or more, you can expect the third innings is the most crucial innings and the real game starts after the second new ball becomes available. At least, if you remember once or more than once, England made 400 and they lost the test in spite of making 400 when they visited India. So, anyway, this is sort of leading into the next thing. But this was all very fantastic thing if you were a test match fan and if you are looking at the by-plays that were happening on the side. This was fantastic to see. For me, whether the test is held in India or Pakistan, as a person who enjoys the conditions, this was fantastic by-play. So, I just wanted to... uh, maybe talk a little bit about it. Now, if you were to take a look at the second innings of Pakistan, any surprises there for you, Giri? Not really. I think Pakistan, uh, they had a target of 88 runs, right? So, South Africans were bowled out for 245. So, they, in the end, ended up with a lead of 87. So, all they had to do was play out the day. I think they would score enough runs. So, they had enough overs in the day. So, um, what was good to see is they came out with positive intent. So, they did not go into a shell or they did not try to block a lot. Of course, they lost the openers cheaply uh, for 22 and 23 runs, first and second wickets. But then, you know, the old wise Azhar Ali and uh, Babar Azam, uh, they got together and then stitched a partnership together for 50-odd runs um, to ensure that they did not have any collapse or any, any debacles on the way. Uh, although, you know, you have to say Babar Azam was out. Uh, to Maharaj, LBW. Uh, but Azhar Azli was there until the end to ensure the the team would see the, you know, um, would see it through, basically. So, so 30-odd runs for both of them and then quite fittingly, I have to say, your favourite uh, Pakistani batsman, Fawad Alam, uh, scored the winning runs. And I think he was indeed the man of the match at the end for his century. That crucial innings that he played uh, after Pakistan had lost four quick wickets at the end of the second day. Uh, was it still the first day? It was still the first day indeed, yeah. So, I think that was a crucial knock and then we all saw what happened afterwards, yeah. So, I would just like to highlight that the role of Azhar Ali and Fawad Alam cannot be overstated in this team. Unless Shan Masood finds a way back into this eleven. These both are the wise and old heads. You have new blood, you have the new Pakistan uh, cricket in Babar Azam and Mohammad Rizwan who play the fearless game. Babar Azam is developing into one of the best batsmen. You have to give him time and maybe in one or two years, he'll be there. He's already there, but in the limited overs formats, he's definitely there. In test matches, he's getting there. So, the for the next 24 months, maybe 18 to 24 months, I cannot overstate the role of somebody like Azhar Ali and Fawad Alam. Hmm. So, I think the new chief selector, probably Mohammad Wasim already recognizes it. And that's why, you know, uh, these people are really crucial because if you look at the rest of this 11, Yasir Shah is the only one who has any amount of experience. Because Abidali is new, Imran Bhatt is definitely new. But I would say Abidali looks like he might be one for the next couple of seasons at least. He's also in the 30s. Imran Bhatt, yeah. we don't know if it will be Imran Bhatt, it might be Shan Masood coming back. We don't know these things. But the role of these two would be very crucial no matter where they play. So I hope mm. you know, they pers- persist with them and not fall prey to the any of the other things that is being whispered by the air quotes specialists or analysts that talk about yeah. their roles in the team. You still have room for old school test cricket. You've seen that time and time again. Pujara has shown it. Other people have shown it. right? So, it's important that the old school test match cricket is pursued and it's allowed to be 
you know in a team of 11 there are different skills that are required in a test and they're allowed yeah yeah let's not forget azhar ali has a triple 100 to his name and you don't yes. score triple 100s if you don't have talent or the temperament yeah i think if you look at the team composition of uh, the pakistani team you also have mohammad rizwan i think he's a breath of fresh air he's a very positive cricketer and he's done a lot of contribution with the bat as well and then the return of fahim ashraf i think he will play a very crucial role in the upcoming years for pakistani cricket because he is a bowling all-rounder i think he bowled uh, close to 10 overs in the second innings and he considered i think only 8 runs that is a very crucial uh, role that he's playing for the team as well and then the 50 the crucial 50 and the partnership he played with fawad uh, alam in the first innings i think that was a telling blow to the south africans i mean there there are a lot of things to look forward to uh, but i do hope that even though these guys are old the pakistani management sticks with them uh, for a couple of years at least until the team has settled down around babar azam yeah, babar azam should be given the time to build the a nucleus of a team that plays in his image or his vision but then these yeah. two are very crucial in keeping that team going until then or maybe even beyond right just like virat kohli built a team around him and then even when yeah. virat kohli wasn't there ajinkya rahane was you know was able to take it forward no indeed that that the the spirit of what the team is all about is still the same you know and that's important absolutely so the other thing i would like to discuss is kagisora bada crossing into the 200 uh, test test wickets club it's a very uh, let's say a very good club and he's entered it at a very young age 25 right we know sometimes he started very early he was an under 19 teraway who was drafted into the 11 and then of course look he 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 has a fantastic career ahead of him and if he can pace mm-hmm. himself i really hope at near the end of his career he takes the james anderson model uh, where he's able to continue to play tests rather than prioritizing t20s or any other uh, for me i don't know if it's going to be a possibility but i would like to see him uh, see out his career in tests because he's a true out and out test match winner for me and uh, the way he bowled in the first test was a fantastic example enric norke is really picking up the way he bowled in the second innings was or the fourth innings of the game was very good to see right and i would like to see that this pair is able to continue but when it comes to rabada i mean he joins a unique uh, unique unique club where you know he started really as a tear away and he he still maintaining the same momentum even as he reaches 200 and even if he you know momentum sort of decreases when you reach 300 and maybe up to 400 but as a fast bowler maybe you know He'll, he'll not have the same momentum but we really hope he continues with this uh, momentum yeah. and also the pace yeah i think he's he's only played 44 test matches and he has already picked up 200 wickets in that at an average of 23 you know that unbelievable and he's just 25 years old mm-hmm. he has at least i would say 8 to 10 years of test cricket left in him and by then looking at the current rate and looking at the current schedules i think we he can easily play up to 100 test matches if he is fit enough of course and if he plays 100 test matches he will finish with 500 wickets for sure in my opinion he's only going to get better from here um the only thing that could hold him back is any injury that my, he might encounter later on in his career when the body starts to become a bit more uh, you know weak with age with all fast bowlers but i hope i think he is a true athlete he is a natural athlete he has that ability um and he's quite fit he's a very fit guy he's also a very good fielder if you look at him how he fields um so and actually he started out some uh, he, he actually started out as a batter right he was an i think he was an opening batsman even when he started his uh, younger career mm. Mm. uh who has made the transition into a premier fast bowler so it's very interesting how these things uh, go on so well done to kahisora bada 
and um, I I think you know this already. I'm a huge fan of Taylor with fast bowlers. Mm-hmm. Him and uh, Nokia, I think it's it's a treat for eyes. They were bowling in excess of 150 km mm-hmm. kilometer per hour, and the last time we saw that was a long time ago when Shoaib Bakhtar was playing. Okay, so it's good to see that. Look. he has the lowest strike rate of anybody having taken 200 wickets he's in such an elite company and there mm. are two of his countrymen in that top 5 so one is dale stein the other is alan donald it says something about south african cricket as a culture right and yeah. the pitches they come from and the stock they come from the you know the human stock how strong people they are well i mean why i'm saying all this is there's wakar unis and malcolm marshall on this list which completes a top 5 which is very enviable no matter where you come from but mm. the point i was trying to make is rabada could do more than very well to take a leaf out of the other person two other people on this list who sort of matured beautifully i think dale mm. stains remained at airway until the end of his test match career at least but mm. wakar unis and malcolm marshall matured beautifully into people who used all the nows that they would have built up along their career and then they made sure the career prolonged so vakarinis you could say he started as a real terrawe and he uh, reached 373 wickets at the end which was sort of you know as a fan of fast bowling you think this guy should have taken 400 wickets i don't know if yeah. it was politics or it was just slowing down naturally but this was one of those guys who was once in a generation and he had the opportunity and he had the luck and the you know the opportunity to bowl with somebody like akram both were once in a generation but then you know with pakistan it probably there are many of these once in a generation bowlers that come along probably once every 10 years you have to of these but at the end of the day what i'm trying to say is he matured beautifully into a very matured one day bowler because of the skills he had developed in test cricket he was just an out and out terrawe who didn't care about what runs he considered when he started otherness then he matured into a very very clever bowler who became a very good operator in limited overs cricket as well because of the variations that he developed he had a devastating yorker no doubt and when it comes to malcolm marshall the same story he developed a devastating leg break it was a leg break that he used to deliver with the, with yeah. his wrist leg cutter not a leg break mm. i'm sorry so the point is that's fantastic so yeah. why i'm trying to say this is there are people who choose to end their career in a different way in this top five you have dale stein and alan donald who remained terrawest till the end of their career dale mm. stein even crossed 400 wickets alan donald finished with 330 given when he started that was fantastic then you have the other two examples wakar yunus and um, malcolm marshall who matured into something more the moment the pace dipped they adapted they had always this menace but then they adapted yeah. into somebody who would become who would become you know if they had started their career that way they wouldn't finish the way they did yeah. but starting as terrawes they finished their career in a fantastic way so we don't know which way rabada will go but i really yeah. hope in one yeah. way or the other what you have said happens comes to comes to pass and he actually plus standard and yeah. more okay. i can give you two more examples you know dennis lilly and kapil dev mm. they were also you know terrawes when they started but then towards the end of the career they didn't have a lot of pace they still managed to pick up a lot of wickets especially kapil well, who played 130 or test matches that's unbelievable for a fast bowler well as a person of fitness i can't debate you kapil dev mm. never missed a test in his career because of injury he was something else i don't know what stock he comes from uh, we should have more fast bowlers coming from that as an indian team i'm sure but the point i'm trying to make is i think he played 10 tests too many his effectiveness mm. was dwindling he was fit mm. there was never a doubt he could contribute with a bat that helped but i personally i believe he played 10 tests too many 
as a person who could win a game just on the back of your bowling it's tough to take it away or you convert yourself into an imran khan who mm. in the last 3 or 4 years averaged 50 with the bat in tests then you mm. can still command a place in the team so it's a, it's a tough discussion to go ahead because with kapil dev i have a mixed uh, opinion same with kapil dev and ian both of them have mixed opinions so i'll probably park it from other discussion because as test match players their uh, their effectiveness continue to dip imran khan reinvented himself as a top four batter in tests but not everybody can do that let's go there another day uh, going further right if you were to take a look at some of the other news so in the same uh, sphere so pakistan have announced a t20 squad to, that takes on sort of a second string south africa 11 because south africa have decided to withdraw many of their senior players who will be training uh, to play australian tests another very important test match series coming up australia versus south africa but then pakistan have also had made some you know some i would say some interesting announcements because they have included four uncapped players all of these were stars in the recently concluded psl or the previous season's psl but the other thing is that mohammad afis has been excluded because mohammad afis has decided to prioritize the ongoing t10s in dubai and abu dhabi but also they have decided to let go of fakhar zaman and wahab riyas so why i'm trying to say this is a big deal is look he was the best batsman for pakistan in t- uh, t20s in the all of 2020 and pakistan have decided to draw the line they have decided to prioritize time and sort of time spent in the bio bubble and other things training with the team as figure it's, it's a big thing because process about results always as they say so they have decided to drop hafiz but other more important thing fakhar zaman has not featured in any a team of pakistan in the recent past he was in the one day series that played pakistan uh, sorry sri lanka previously but i am seeing the stocks of fakhar zaman slowly but surely dwindling as somebody who won the champions trophy for pakistan in that final against india and who performed very creditably in the limited overs format let's say he was never a test match player but i expected him to command a place in the limited overs teams he's gone he's no longer in the 11 or in the team on the squad but also Wahab Riyas, who's sort of 34, 35, in that twilight of his bowling career, he's also been let go. So, I see a direction that the new chief selector, Mohamed Asim, is taking here. And I think, I really, I really appreciate that because the age is one thing for sure. Performances are definitely the main, but then they are going for processes. They are making sure that certain discipline is enforced in the way they are going through with processes well when it comes to fitness when it comes to choices in the 11 and making sure that there is a continuity i see all this is really important the way pakistan cricket is growing it's a bigger picture right uh, imad wasim is unavailable due to personal reasons that's unfortunate blow and shadab khan is continually injured so i would say shadab khan needs to be given a bit of time he's he's a long long term player he can bat i'm telling you he can bat and he bowls like spin the time that yasir shah hangs up his boots i would like to see shadab khan come into the 11 and become your bowling all rounder along with fahim ashraf there is a lot that's ahead of shadab khan he should be given enough time to make sure he recovers from injuries and doesn't axe his body because as a spinner he can go long and imad wasim as well so there's a lot to be said about it but let's see how this goes but all in all plenty of mohammad asnain has made a comeback another tear away let's see how this goes so another news from this same sphere if you were to take a look at some of the other news from outside of the cricketing world and if we go into let's say bruce oxenford has retired from international cricket so an australian who's 
appeared in more than 50 tests uh, he was famous for introducing his auction shield i mean i think he may have been a fan of marvel comics because it may have been inspired by certain captain america the shield but in any case he is a pioneer it's a shield i think he is also looking to uh, market it and maybe sell it as a product now that he's retired but he'll continue to umpire in domestic australian games we read but we wish umpire oxen ford first of all congratulations on a wonderful career 62 tests he stood in three world cups 50 overs and three t20 world cups a fantastic career lots of ipl games i think that's the one he's keeping a no, uh, door open he's retired from international cricket so we wish him all the best going further and then uh, ashanta demel the chief selector who was sort of given the role just ahead of the sri lanka england series has now i think he's fallen on his sword kiri because he's uh, designed from his post as the chief selector more churn in the sri lankan management we don't know what this means because there's now a manager in place but there's no chief selector so we'll see how this goes in the other news well let's take a look at your favorite bcci there are a bunch of interesting news i think we should take a look at it so first of all there is no ranji trophy thanks to covid 19 considering that there are 36 teams that actually compete in ranji trophy it would be impossible i think and this is a pragmatic decision if you were to look at it purely from the conditions and what this season has thrown up but i think this is also a bit of a blow when it comes to certain players who sort of rely on first class cricket for their livelihood right um, you have certain set of players who play both limited overs cricket as well as red ball cricket and then they have livelihood that they can earn from both but given that this season they'll only be white ball cricket in domestic uh, indian cricket it's a big blow for those that earn uh, earnings or that they earn a livelihood from red ball cricket this is unfortunate but i think to compensate for it bcci have announced a relief package for those that are in such a situation that play only red ball cricket and cannot earn any other way because club cricket playing club cricket or you know your uh, corporate trophies or corporate tournaments will definitely not pay that much and given the covid that's going ongoing it makes sense because 36 teams competing even if they were to play five games each and then you were to identify knockouts and then it would be impossible given that the bio bubble that's required and the let's say at least for the knockouts where do you hold them there are only three or four bio bubble locations that have been identified in all of india so you know only even the four tests that are being played for india england are being played only across two locations so when you look at all of this it's a very very big challenge and saro ganguly had expressed in the december 24th agm of bcci had expressed hope that at least they would to be able to hold a truncated uh, ranji trophy but it looks like it's very tough so they have come to the pragmatic decision about a more idealistic one and as big a fan or not of bcci that i am i think i have to recognize that this seems to be the pragmatic approach going further ganguly uh, the current uh, chairman of the board he had to undergo another angioplasty but we hear he's uh, stable the other bcci related news is that the bcci secretary jay shah has been appointed as the asian cricket council president and this is more of a i think it base is based on rotation and he replaces bcb president nasmul hasan in the role it remains to be seen because this is a honorary secretary role and because of age group and women's tournaments also going on well look i think there will be a lot of whispers from different different uh, affiliates that make up the asian cricket council but it's just been appointed based on a rotational role but we'll see uh, we'll see what it means for the asian cricket council and asian cricket in general right going further 
the final of the Syed Mushtaq Ali Trophy, one of the trophies that is being held along with Vijay Hazare and under-19 trophies that BCCI will host this year. So, Tamil Nadu have won the final, deservedly. They looked as the best drilled and the most prepared team. It was surprised because sort of Punjab looked like the other team. They had beaten the defending champions Karnataka on the way. But Tamil Nadu faced Baroda in the finals and they comfortably beat them. It was, it was not really a very difficult thing for Tamil Nadu. And we congratulate the Tamil Nadu team because they had lo- sort of a heartbreak. I remember in the last over of the last year's final, they had lost to Karnataka. And mm. we'd like to congratulate Tamil Nadu team on this success. And Dinesh Karthik, I think he's brought a lot of ideas that he's sort of taken from international cricket and IPL to the way Tamil Nadu cricket is run and played. And also TNPL, the way it was held every season, I think it's throwing up a lot of players that they can use and they can, you know, mold in this modern way of cricket. So going further, so in the trivia section, the question we had asked previously was that who was the player of the match for scoring twin hundreds the last time Pakistan played a test against South Africa in Karachi? Would you like to let us know who the answer is, Kiri? It was, of course, the famous South African, the great South African all-rounder, uh, Jacques Callis. I hope I got that name right. I tried to uh, say it with an Afrikaans accent, Jacques Callis. Um, so, he scored centuries in both innings, 155 in the first innings and I think uh, 100 not out in the second innings. Um, South Africa won that match against Pakistan uh, by a humongous 160 runs. And this was part of a two-match uh, test series uh, of which the other one was drawn. So, South Africa actually won the series 1-0. One of the many player of the match awards, I would say, for this great uh, all-rounder. Well, you're absolutely right. Uh, looking at the trivia question from this episode, so we were discussing of you know 200 test wicket club and all this. So who is the fastest 200 test wickets in terms of deliveries bowled? That's the question we are asking. And do I dare say we may have discussed this player in this episode, Giri? Of course, there is always a clue in the episode if you pay attention. If you know the answer to this question, I would you like to take a look? At, I would maybe make a guess. Do get in touch with us. We are on Twitter at armchairpickpod or you could write to us offline via mail at armchair.cricket at gmail.com or you could also leave a comment on any of the podcasting apps that you used to listen to us. If you could give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, that would also be great. If you think we're good, five stars will be great. If not, well, let us see what that means. I think plenty of test cricket to look forward to. I think first week of February is a very busy week as far as test cricket goes, Kiri. Absolutely, yeah. So, we have the Bangladesh and West Indies Test Series, right? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we have Pakistan playing South Africa. Mm-hmm. And then the big one, uh, England versus India. So, a lot of Test Match cricket in the upcoming week. So Indeed. So, we hope our uh, listeners and those that support us and like to listen to us continue to tune in in the upcoming episodes as well. Having said all that, it's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from him. Bye-bye. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast.